So we want to welcome you once again to another Keep Calm Avenon conversation on this. What is this? I think this is the 30th of July, 2021, Anui Domni, Year of Our Lord, halfway, more than halfway through the year now at this point. We're, we're a month past the halfway point of the year. Uh, and uh, things are, uh, <laughs> I feel like things are more of the same. Is it just my idea or does it feel like deja vu? In what sense? In like COVID and like all the stuff that's going on in the world. Like it just feels like it's, we're going backwards again. I don't know. Definitely. Uh, and Jason, I, th- I don't think we can hear you, brother. I think your, your mic is out. Oh, there you go. Sorry. I had it on mute. Uh, man, rookie, rookie mistake, brother. What's going on here? What's going on? Uh, anyways, uh, uh, Jason, uh, Andrew, how are both of you this uh, Friday? This uh, uh, happy Sabbath to some, right? How is everyone doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm actually glad that this week there was just like a weird weather pattern and it hasn't been like the regular 115, 118 to drop to 100 degrees. I mean, yeah. for you guys, it's still heat, but for me, it feels fresh. <laughs> the weird, the weirdest, weirdest weather ever. Talk about the like scorching heat, and then all of a sudden we get a a day of rain, which create which creates a puddle in front of my house that's that that's so huge. Literally, I've washed the car two times already, and like I can't get rid of. Oh, it. It's like it's it's terrible. terrible. It's, uh, well, actually, last it's week. Like this whole weather, the weather stuff ha- started happening last weekend. Um, last weekend, I made a little impromptu trip to um, Arizona, and in Phoenix, we got caught by a huge uh, rainstorm. Yeah, you know what we had. So it's funny because I was on vacation all last week. We went out road trip with the family, and I got to tell you, man, uh, we were we were we spent a few days up in Lake Tahoe, and the hottest it would get was eighty two degrees. Okay. So we thought that was great. We're like, oh, yes, it was perfect. Except that then we we went, then we went out to the Santa Cruz Watsonville area. I visited some friends out in Watsonville, uh, went to their church on Sabbath. And let me tell you something, middle of summer, we had to put some sweaters on. We went to the beach and it was literally like 58 degrees. And I'm, I was just in heaven. Like it was just, <laughs> why, why can't summer be like this? I, at, at some point we don't want to come back, but Hey, this is what's going on. In fact, we just got a warning out here, uh, in a high desert. Uh, we got flash flood warning and Jason, you were telling us, you guys, you guys are going to get a dust storm warning. The little dust devils I used to get when you were like eight, nine years old. You remember yeah. those? I do did, you guys, did you guys ever pull the smart move and like try to jump in one? No, I don't think that, I don't think time. that's a smart move. I never did that. <laughs> I never did that. I stayed away from that. Yeah, all the time. Anyways, look, we hope that everybody's staying uh, dry or outside of the crazy weather. I don't know. But if you are joining us live, uh, I, I know a few people are joining in. I know it's a Friday, traffic, all those different things. So we're assuming that we'll get some more people as we go on. But if you are joining us live, we want to thank you for joining us at this moment. If you are not joining us live, we want to thank you for joining us afterwards. If you're listening to us on Spotify, if you're watching us on YouTube or on Facebook later on, thank you so much for connecting. And we hope that today is going to be a blessed day. Now, as you guys can see, we only have three of us. The team is not complete. So this is the second weekend. This might actually be the third weekend in a row where we're not complete. This is what happens during summer. More importantly, uh, Martin is not with us today. I don't know if you guys know, but he's somewhere across the world or on his way to somewhere across the world. Some like he's with us in, in, in spirit. Uh, I think he's flying somewhere. He's fine. Yeah, he 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 he's currently on a plane. 
Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Like it's, it's super crazy. But anyways, we hope that he is going to have a blessed time out there, him and his wife, and, you know, just have a few days off. We know how hard he's been working as well at his church. They just have so many things going on. And, hey, uh, you know, it's good if you can get some time off. Hey, and Martin, please, if you, if you are on the airplane, don't, don't put us on right now, bro. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> risk it. Don't risk everybody just to post a comment. <laughs> uh, no, hey, no, you know what? Put us on, man. Everybody's got to listen to this. Anyways, uh, uh, we want to welcome again, everybody that's watching. Uh, my wife is watching at this moment. She says, Happy almost Sabbath for us on the West Coast uh, jam. Actually, only with one M in this case because Martin's not with us. Uh, and we got Matthew Ray as, of course, as usual. We always expect to see Matthew here. Happy Sabbath, Matthew. Uh, thank you for joining us. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Martin Celaya. Pastor hey. Martin. Happy Sabbath, boys. God bless you guys. You see right there. There he is. He's, he's on. And so uh, I, I don't know. I'm not playing. Yeah, maybe. I will say that. I don't know why I have this weird suspicion that he actually booked the flight so that he could not be on. Keep calm, having on for today's conversation. I hope that wasn't the case, Martin. I hope that wasn't the case. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding here. Uh, anyways, uh, but it, it, it's good to see Martin's doing well. And again, we want to welcome everybody that is watching us. Now, we got to jump into this conversation quick, quick, because today's conversation. There's a lot. You know what? Look, I don't. It's just one of those conversations that we need to have because the questions do come up. And we hope we don't get too technical in this conversation. At the same time, we also hope that this is going to be helpful for you as a student of the Bible. And so if you haven't had the opportunity, definitely hit a share on this because today we're going to be talking about what a lot of people need to know, especially if they're going to be studying the Bible, if they're going to be reading the Bible. Uh, and so we got to jump into it, though. We got we got to jump into it. And, and uh, Andrew, it looks like you want to say something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to say something because it's interesting. I feel like this conversation might have been... Almost, almost, how would you say, um, not a, this is, if we would have had, if we would have had Keep Calm going on maybe 10 years ago, this is probably a conversation we don't have. This is probably a conversation that maybe doesn't have so much interest, but mm. I feel like as of recent, you know, as, as far as in my own experience, people from work, friends, you know, have yeah, been asking yeah. more questions about uh, translations, about these different things. I feel like it's, it's come to the forefront. And I think this is something that we need to talk about. For sure, for sure. And that's why we got to jump into it. And so, Jason, will you begin our conversation today with a word of prayer? Yes, sir. If you guys will please join me, let's bow our heads. Father God, I want to thank you, Lord, so much for another day of life. Thank you for bringing us all, uh, all, to, this, all to this conversation, Lord, for allowing us to get home safe and be able to, to share this with others, Lord. Now, as we dive into this conversation, Lord, I pray that it be guided by you. This 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 theme that we're about to touch, sometimes it can get confusing. Sometimes it gets a little too technical, Lord. But I pray that no matter what it is, no matter what version of the Bible, what a translation we are using, we're guided by you. Uh, this conversation be guided by you. Whatever we speak, be what you want us to tell everybody, everybody that will watch this. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 And again, uh, Jason, thank you so much. And everybody else that is joining us at this moment, we want to thank you for being part of our conversation. If you're joining us afterwards as well, by the way, super quick announcement. I almost forgot this completely tomorrow morning, seven in the morning, West coast time. Uh, we are right going to be connecting. Early. Yes. Yes. Super <laughs> early. Well, yeah. So somewhat, but, but the point is we're going to be connecting. We're going to be connecting uh, to the uh, kingdom priorities event that uh, the Southern California conference 
uh, Youth Federation, Federación de Jóvenes Adventistas, is going to be doing. Uh, so that's going to be happening tomorrow at 7 a.m. We have the United Prayer in session. We've done this before. This is going to be our second time joining. And so if you are watching this afterwards, if you're watching this now at this moment and you want to join tomorrow and pray with us, that's what we're going to be doing in the typical Keep Calm and Advent on style. But again, we're just going to be talking about a little bit about distractions. We're going to be talking about the stuff that that prayer refocuses on and and you know the 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 tool with that. So again, that's going to happen tomorrow at seven a.m. Almost completely forgot about that. Just a shout out to uh, everybody out in Southern California Conference, uh, Feha, and all the good work that they are doing out there. All right, guys. So uh, today's conversation we have titled "Translation Truths." That's a play on words there, because what what are we talking about? Are we talking about translation truths of the Bible, or are we talking about truths about translations? Which one? But you guys can kind of picture <laughs> what we're going to be talking about. This is actually part number five. Of our series on questions on scripture and we've explored a number of different things but there are some things that sometimes pop up and one of these as we all know has to do with translations and i, I think this is everyone's favorite topic i'm totally kidding here i, I know it's not uh but it's an it's a very important topic and in fact uh andrew jason i, I have come to realize as time has gone by that this is actually a more important topic than we give it importance to. So like this is one of those topics that really should be on our mind more often than not. And let me let me just say this before we jump into the into the actual core of the conversation. I've noticed that a lot of people when they're going to get a bible, when they're going to purchase a bible, like they know the bible is important. But sometimes you go into a bookstore or Amazon or whatever you type in a bible, you, you may not have a single clue as to what you're about to pick up. And before you used to go, you know, before Amazon, you used to go to the bookstore, you see all the Bibles lined up, you'd go to the Adventist Book Center if you're Adventist, see all the Bibles lined up, and you almost end up choosing it based on whatever looks prettiest, whatever, whatever is the, the nicest type. And I got to tell you, I've done that. I've done it. I actually have a Bible. I'm going to grab it real quick. Hold on. Give me a second. Wait, let me see if he's going for the color. Yep. Oh no, it's not the one I thought no, it was. No, 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 no. This this Bible right here, okay. By the way, I'm just gonna say it right now it's New King James Version translation. A little hard to see uh, because of the. Uh, so now we know, we know which one you promote. Okay. Well, well, no, no. I gotta, I gotta tell you. I, I will say up front. I'll say it right now. The New King James Version is my favorite translation. Uh, but I'll, I'll be honest about it in a little bit. Yeah, just like that. Okay. But I purchased this Bible, and I kid you not, I spent a bunch of money on it because I thought. It's one of the most beautiful Bibles I have ever felt in my hands and also the pages and the script and everything. And I said, I have to have this Bible. I saved up for it until I had uh, approximately $160 to purchase it, right? And so a lot of people, though, that's what they do. They're trying to find a Bible that has a leather cover, nice type, nice font. By, by the way, my the one I have right here is uh, a New King James as well. But the funny thing about this is this is uh, the Andrew Study Bible. When it was first coming yes. out, I thought yeah. I was uh, uh, the coolest guy. It was like barely coming out. I was wow. like, you know what? Yeah. I'm not even going to get the standard version. I, I went for the premium leather because that's what we go yes. for, the aesthetics, right? Yes, <laughs> and yes. I was like, oh, the little soft touch. And I'm like, and then uh, fast forward how many years and everybody uh, everybody has one now. So Every, Everybody has one, I know. And, I, and have now, yet, I have yet to have owned an Andrew Study Bible. Can, I've can always I just, wanted to. I've always wanted to, but I have yet to get that one. Yeah, look, let me say that when it came out, it had this really nice leather, and then they started coming out with this cheap imitation leather, oh, and no. I'm like, what, what just happened? But anyways, so 
the problem is that there needs to be a criteria when it comes to choosing Bibles. And I think we've all fallen into just looking at the outside of it and saying, this one looks good. And let's go. I purchased a uh, MacArthur study Bible. And the reason I purchased it was not because it was a MacArthur study Bible, but because I liked the outside of it. Uh, now, then again, I have many other Bibles. Well, now that you're saying that, yeah, you and I both have the same Bible. And we sometimes do. when we I do. go to church, there's people that ask me, is that a Bible? Like yeah. because of the, of the, of, of the oh, cover yeah. of it, they don't even think it's Bible. For sure. For yeah. sure. And so, so at the end, right, the question is what Bible do we choose? Um, but for that, I think the very first question has to be, what translation are you going to choose? And this is what we want to talk about today, right? And so let's jump into this, giving it way too much uh, uh, introduction here. And I just want to start off with a general question, guys, as general as we can get. What is the importance of understanding what's behind a Bible translation? Seriously, what, what, why, why does this even matter? Why? Right? What, what's, what's the importance of understanding this topic? specifically uh andrew what what say you let's let's start with you brother uh i think it's important like you said uh in the beginning you know i think when we think about the bible that we're going to choose sometimes we don't put much thought into it as far as like you said the aesthetics is the first thing that we think of but when we think about when we actually start to dive deeper at least for myself this not only helped fortify my faith not just from the translation perspective but how we got to these different translations i think is something that's crucial i think personally, as far as uh, the credibility of the Bible and, and why we can trust these translations. So I think the first thing that we have to think about when we're thinking about, you know, um, understanding the different translations is what is the reason, right? Or what is the purpose for the translation that we're choosing, right? What is the intent behind the, the, the I guess, the, um, the translation that we're choosing? What is the scholarship Behind it, you know, is it something that's uh, credible, reliable? You know, if we if we think about um, some of these different uh, publishing houses that, that make some of these Bibles, we have to ask, you know, well, what is it that they're promoting exactly? Because sometimes there's ties to different, uh, uh, you know, different. Uh, um, how would you say it? Uh, like I know for the MacArthur, I I don't know if this has any um, uh, validity to validity to it, but I know that I when I first uh, got into uh, I don't know if it was religious studies when I was go- uh, um, uh, when I went to uh, PUC. Yeah, that was one of the first Bibles they gave me, the MacArthur Study Bible that came with like the uh, uh, the whole booklets and everything. So I don't know if that's tied to maybe uh, 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 certain Bibles are tied to yeah. uh, certain schools or or how how the curriculum works. But we have to think about uh, you know what exactly are those translations promoting or what's behind yeah. you know why are they getting to the translations? You know some of these are promoted as a uh, uh, study Bibles, like we say, right? Have uh, extra commentary and stuff like that. Some sure. are, are promoted for um, uh, casual use, right? Easier to read, right? Um, and then at, also, we have to also look at, is there a hidden agenda to these mm-hmm. Bibles and, and, and what's behind them? So I think these are questions that we have to ask ourselves uh, um, that, are, that are important. Sure, Jason. What do you think? What What's the importance uh, of understanding what's behind a Bible translation? I'm I'm pretty much on the same page as Andrew. Something that 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 does that does like bother me about it is the fact that we have to think about a hidden agenda behind a Bible translation. Mm-hmm. You would think that having a Bible, it would be the same everywhere. Everybody's trying to get to know about Jesus. That's that's the point of the Bible: getting to know who God is and getting to know what Jesus was like and try to try to become. 
uh, Christian and be more like him, right? But the fact that there's different versions out there for different um, denominations, for different, um, even to the point, different Christian cults, the fact that they have their own versions of the Bible and decide to edit certain things that the most common Bibles don't have to make it fit their own group, it, it, it kind of does make you think, okay, this is an important subject to understand. This is something we should think about every single time I'm about to buy a Bible. And like you said, we always get carried away with just the covers. But the translation has so much context into what you're going to learn about God, what you're going to learn about Jesus, what you're going to learn about salvation itself. And it, it just, to be honest, preparing for this, it just blew my mind how much we actually have to understand it. And not just, not just the translation, but also kind of like try to research like when the first edition of that Bible was made and try to see what was the context, what was the time like? Because even that, the wordings used in certain translations go back to the to how the, how the the times the the translators and all those scholars were living in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, look, I I um for those of you who know me, especially when I used to work at High High Desert, um, this is the topic of scripture in general has been the Bible itself, right? Has been a very important topic, but. I've always uh, thought this in the terms of, uh, of of two things, right? This question specifically. Number one is that I think it's important to understand what's behind Bible translations because we have to understand the Bible, right? Like at the, at the most basic, the, the most basic goal of reading Scripture is to understand it. Um, it, it there, there's nothing magical in the words, right? Just because you can read, it's kind of like a student who's picking up Hebrew, for example, or Greek, right? You can look at the words and you can read the words, but if you don't understand what's going on, what does that matter? Doesn't matter at all. So understanding the Bible, I think, is more important. And it's important to remember that it was not written in English or, you know, for our community in Spanish. Uh, the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek and some portions in Aramaic, but overwhelmingly Hebrew and Greek. We don't speak Hebrew and Greek. Most of us do not. Most of us don't understand it. Sure, if, you know, as a pastor, you, you do go through the classes and, and, and you learn Hebrew and Greek. But most people who read the Bible don't. And so we need a translation. It is necessary for us to be able to understand the message of Scripture. By the way, I think this is biblical. There's a, a, a moment in Ezra chapter 8 where uh, the book of the law is brought out. And the Bible says that when they bring out, they read it in public to all those who understand. And then there's a list of people who come up. Like the, literally the Bible just names a bunch of different individuals. And it says, then they helped to uh, read the Bible to those who did not understand. And what it seems as if there was translation at the moment, right? It was so that you could understand the book of the law. So it's not enough to read it. You got to understand it. This is why translations are important. And the second reason that translations, in my opinion, are important is because we want to understand the Bible correctly. So it isn't just about understanding what the Bible said in words, but it's about understanding it correctly and uh, I, I think that we have to understand that there is difficulty in translating scripture. Like it's not easy. And, and so we need to know what was behind the method of translation. So we are aware also what we're reading, right? I like, I, I, I think it's important. It's weird. I, I think with anything else, we would find out where it came from, right? You're going to buy a car. The first thing you're going to do is say, is it a Honda? Is it a Toyota? You know, is it a Chevy? Is it a, is it a Ford? You want to know who the manufacturer was. Because that's going to depend on what you're going to feel about the car. I think it's the same thing with scripture. We need to know where these translations are coming from. Yeah. Um, 
just to add to that, you know, uh, just going based off the different translations, some something that's important to note, just that you said that, you know, the original language, you know, that, that the, these uh, that we that the Bible was written was not English. So yeah. we have to make we're m making leaps, you know, from all of a sudden Hebrew to Greek, you know, Greek, you have Latin from Latin. You have, you know, all all, you know, all types of different leaps. And in every, I would just say, translation, I wouldn't say that you have problems, but you have things that you would have to deal with, you know, mm -hmm. from language to language. I think, Jason, you were mentioning this before, right? The fact that vocabularies are different, right, from English to Greek or Hebrew or whatever it may be, yeah. wherever we're getting these translations, you know, these the, 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 the vocabulary pool for these languages is different. Uh, idioms, you know, the way we see things, right? right? There was uh, there all these different things, I think are important when we're understanding uh, Bible translations, the idea that uh, language no longer means what it used to mean, even in right. the very English that we have. That happened in the Greek as well. So we have to make those leaps as well. Uh, we have to also understand that many of the translations are all based on different, uh, 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 I guess, textual basis, right? Yeah. We have yeah. different manuscripts for different translations, right? We have to understand, uh, uh, I'll just give you guys an example. You know, for, for example, uh, King James, the King James Bible is based off six manuscripts from the 10th century, right? And then we make the, the, the that's like what we call the young manuscripts, right? And then if we, uh, we go a little bit further, right, we have after that, which was the revised version, which was based off 2,000 manuscripts from the 4th century. So now we have a little bit older right we get a little bit closer to the original but now we have manuscripts based off the late second uh the late uh first century early second century so we have uh manuscripts that are so much closer to the original now we're it's almost like you say now everybody is coming out with their own version or their own translation saying hey we got the most we have the most manuscripts to back our bible we have the most translations and so then at what point do you stop, right? With do you say, do we have enough translations, right? And then yeah, you also right. look at the fact about money, right? Is money a part of all this, right? So I think these are all factors that we have to look into. Yeah. By, by the way, we don't need any more Bible translations. Uh, I've I've said that before, Andrew. I was telling you this the other day. I don't think we need any more. I think we have more than enough. If anything. I understand that language has to be updated, but language doesn't change that quickly to the point where we can't understand, you know, what a translation said a hundred years ago. Uh, um, and there are ways to understand that, but you know, I mean, this is, this is the argument that goes out there and for sure there is a financial motive to a lot of these newer translations and modern translations. And we're going to get into that in, in, in a, in a second, I believe now. Um, so I, I just want to recognize, um, Matthew's comment because I think, I think we're going to be in agreement with Matthew in this statement. You know, where he says, I, I agree that understanding the Bible is the most important factor when reading scripture. Some children can't understand and comprehend the KGV or, or uh, NKGV, right? New King James Version or uh, Reina Valera 60. Uh, Cross-referencing different translations has been helpful in my study. I'm with you 100%. In fact, I'll say it up front. I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, but I think if you're going to be a serious student of the Bible, you got to have a number of translations. Yeah, uh, I understand you may have your favorite and the one that you read, but if you're going to study the Bible, right? If you're going to go in depth in the Bible, you got to have a number of translations. One is not enough, but but we'll get into that in a second. We'll get into that in a second because 
I think there are some people who are just simply going to say, look, um, it's fine, right? I mean, we got Bible translations. Uh, I'm just going to choose whichever one I want. Not a big deal. And, and the question is going to pop up, pop up this question right here. Aren't all Bible translations equal? And, and I want to ask you guys, are they equal or are they different? And if they are different, what makes them different? Um, who, who, wants, who wants to give this one a shot first and foremost? I think, I think this goes back to the same thing that Andrew was saying earlier when we first started. It kind of goes back to what's that if there's a, if there's a certain thing that that Bible's pushing, if there's a certain theme, if there's a certain group that's pushing that Bible. I think that's that's a little bit where this this is where this comes into play. Now, essentially, they should all be made equal because they all talk about the same thing. They should all be pointed to Jesus. They should all be talking like having all the stories about all the different Bible characters. Essentially, it should be the same, but they are very different in, I guess you could say the understandability of it. Um, like Matthew was saying, just of the new King James and the King James versions, the, the wording used is completely different. It's kind of, if you try to read fluidly through a King James version, even up to this date, I still, I'm like, okay, wait, slow down. Let me reread that. Yeah. And yeah. New King James, they don't use the vows as much or the vows and the thouists and all this as much as the King James version. So it's very – it's easier to understand. And the newer the version, obviously, the, the New Living Translation and other, sure. other tra um, translations like that, they're a little bit more easier to understand. Like um, If I was reading correctly, I think um, the King James version was written in a 11th to 12th grade um, reading level. So that's already sometimes even collegiate level. Um, and then the, the lower translations, it's always like, it's always like, oh, 10th, 9th to 10th grade. And if you go all the way down to a, to a paraphrase Bible, it's third to fourth grade level. So they're all written a little different. They essentially, they should be equal. But in the context they were written in for who, for who they're written for, that's where I see, that's what makes them different. Can can I ask you guys a question? I'm just curious. Do you think that we should make Bibles more readable? That we should like because there's some people, Andrew. Here we go. All right. We were just talking about this right before. There's some people that will claim, no, you can only use the King James Version. And and there are those that argue uh -oh, and say, no, uh oh, we, should we knock on wood? Where's the wood? No, there's the no knocking on wood here. I'm, 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 I'm gonna say what I gotta say here, brother. No, but look, oh, there's some people that will say only King James. That is the authorized version. And, and in fact, I'll, 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 I'll even mention some names. There's a zoologist in the Adventist Church that has a lot, a lot of people backing him up because there are conspiracies that he talks about. Walter Weiss. I'm talking about Walter Weiss specifically. You know, and he has stirred up a lot of controversy within the Seventh Adventist Church because he has argued that the only version that we should be using to study is the King James Version, right? Because there are other conspiracies and politics and church and all these different things in these other versions. And my my question is, man, the King James Version honestly is not easy to understand. It I can understand it. I, I've I've been reading from it since I was a kid, but there are others who can't. Should we make it more readable? Is that a duty? As, as believers, to make the Bible more readable? Uh, you know what? I think it depends on the, the purpose of, of, of what we're trying to do. Mm. Um, like we said, I think that there's different Bibles 
that are doing that are better at doing certain things. Mm-hmm. I think we try to make the Bible as readable as possible without trying to lose as much as possible. I think when you try to combine both those things, uh, you know, going back to that uh, whole idea of uh, uh, KJV, right? The King James only, right? That that's the yeah. only Bible that we have to use. You know, if we actually look at the Bible itself, it's more, uh, how would you say, literary than literal, right? Mm-hmm. It is a a word for word translation, but it, when I say it's more literary than literal, is the is the I guess the words that it used the um, how would you say it? Uh, um, there's a, a, a the flow sure of word. Uh, yeah, the the flow of word, right? Sure. Uh, obviously, Jason touched on this a little bit, right? The uh, it has more of a kingly vibe to it, right? Okay. Obviously, okay. because of the influence yeah. of the church, right? Yeah. But when we think about the uh, the KJV, if you actually look into it, I was looking at this. It says there's actually 300 words in the KJV that no longer mean what they used to mean in English. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah. And then that, that's just a, a short jump, right? From 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 where we are now. And but, you're and Andrew, and you're and you're mentioning words because then there's all the 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 way the the words are phrased, right? Exactly, exactly. And I was going to touch on that cuz I wanted to give a couple of examples of of some of the words that no longer mean what they used to mean, sure. right? Uh the word conversation. When we talk about conversation, we talk about talking to each other. But in the KJV, the conversation is the way of life. Conversation stands for the way of life. So whenever you see the word conversation in the King James Version, it's talking about the way of life, not the way we speak to each other. So that can cause confusion. When we talk about the word awful, we think of awful. It's like, whoa, that's, you know, that's horrible. Awful. Yeah. But awful was full of awe, almost like using awesome, right? The word awesome, right? For God or something, right? Another word, uh, closet. Right. When Jesus goes in and says, go, go to your closet and pray. Right. 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 right? It's not a, 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 a somewhere where you go and you have all your clothes at. No, right. it's actually right. a private place. You right. know, uh, one one more. Uh, the word instant. Right. We think of instant, uh, you know, right now. Easy, but instant right. actually means insistent. Yeah. In the in the in the King James. So there's uh, there's over three, uh, 300 words like this that when you. When you start to uh, see the differences in what we mean in English now, it yeah. can com- it can cause some confusion if if we're not reading it uh, correctly. And uh, uh, to what you were saying about the different words, um, thee and thou were actually not in the original manuscripts. Sure, these are words that were added for what is called, and I and I'm going to get into the technical words. It's called expansion of piety, right? This idea that they uh, uh, how would you say it? They added, and, and we'll talk about this later, because a lot of the people from the King James only camp actually use this to say that many of the translations remove words right. from, from from the scriptures, right? And, right? and that's why they call it, uh, how would you say it, uh, uh, a heresy. But in actuality, it's the King James who uh, version of the Bible that actually adds words, right? Uh, I, I believe I have it right here. Let me give some examples right here. Um where it uses the word, like, uh, say, for instance, uh, Lord, uh, uh, for when it says the word Jesus, they'll yeah. add the Lord Jesus when right, the word right. the Lord was not originally there. Uh, right. when, when we see the word Christ, they'll add Jesus Christ when the right. word Jesus is not there. Uh, 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 places where it says the temple, just simply temple, they'll add the temple of God. There is right. this idea of trying to uplift, you know, and, and I'm not I'm not a, saying that I'm against these things, but. Do we want 
what the Bible actually says, or do we want to just uplift, you know, the wording just yeah. for the sake of uplifting? Now, it, you know now, 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 every one of the examples you gave, though, right now, do, doesn't change necessarily the meaning of the text, right? Because if I say the Lord Jesus or I say Jesus, I mean, the Bible does declare Jesus Lord. So, so, th so there's no difference there. It, it It's just these words that are added on there. In, in other words, the KGV, the King James Version, is still not a perfect translation. Like we, we have to and it's, it. and it's a beautiful thing if you can read it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's not like a yeah. knock on it, like saying, oh, wow, it has all these words. Like it's a terrible uh, version yeah. of what we have, right? No, yeah. it's just that it's just we don't read like that anymore. You know, right. and it's hard, right. and it can be hard for study. No, and not just that. Like, I mean, the uh, if I have it right here, if I read it correctly, the first version of the King James was made in 1611. That's right. Yeah. And after that, it's had several revisions because the English language became the the scholars that studied in English became more understanding of the Greek and the Hebrew. Um, just a, a few little stats that I was looking up. Just in Greek alone, there's over five million words. And uh, I think it was what 17 million different word types. And with the word types, it means like the word love. They have the word love, but then we know we have the different meanings of it, which is eros, which all those different meanings. And there's so many different words that have that same exact thing. So when the Bible was first written in 1611, they didn't exactly have the full understanding of that. So even still, like as as much as the people want to say, as they want to say King James only, even that was imperfect to, to a large extent. And if we go even further, before the King James Version, the King James Version was kind of a political statement at the time. Before King James the first came into power, there had been another Bible, another English translation that had already, had, had already been made. But I think it was like mm -hmm. King Henry the the Eighth, I believe. But when King James came into power, he just tried to get rid of anything that 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 had to do with his lineage so he's like look we're going to do another revision of the bible and that's why we have the king james bible so this whole king james only standing point it makes no sense to me because it was written to to a political context as well if you're if you're really trying to dig into the details of things really, really quick just to add really quickly uh, you you mentioned the word love that's another one actually many of the times in the king james it uses the word charity Mm -hmm. Instead of love, which is exactly. just not something we, we use now, but yeah. Now, now let me now let, let's get a little bit more technical here for a second. Um, so when we talk about Bible translations, uh, and and just to recognize some of the comments here, Matthew, in response to the question that we said, no, they're not right. Some are closer to Old English, while others use Modern English. Some translations versions have added books. By the way, we're going to get to that topic, the whole topic of the canon, right? Why do we have sixty six books in the Bible? We'll be coming back to that in a later conversation. Some have extra chapters, and, and this was funny to me because he says, Matthew says, I get looks when I use the NLT at church for readings. <laughs> hey, look, I, I I totally get that. And by the way, shout out to uh, to uh, Jesse Amaget, who is uh, who's a uh, happy Sabbath. We just hear at the beginning, but it's good to see her right now. Now, again, getting a little bit technical, there are generally, primarily, two types of translations, right? Or, or philosophies of translation. One is what we would know as formal equivalency. And formal equivalency is what we would generally, now this is making it very simple, right? But it's what we would call like a word for word translation, right? You're trying to get the word that was written in Hebrew and trying to translate that directly to, in, in our case, English. Then you have what is known as dynamic or functional equivalency. And here 
it isn't so much about translating word for word, but what you're trying to do is translate the meaning of the text of the thought right in there. Now, I'm going to add one more here because then you get these super hardcore paraphrased versions of the Bible, right? Which which are are not even word for word or the meaning, but it's just someone interpreting the meaning of the meaning, if that makes sense, right? And uh, and uh, we'll mention a little bit more about that. Um, I, I want to give, if, if you guys are okay, I actually want to give an example of the difference between uh, formal and dynamic. And we got a uh, a Bible that we're going to be putting on screen here. So if you're if you're listening to us, you may not see us. So just hear the words. But if you are watching, we encourage you just to uh, take a look at this for one second. Uh, so I'm going to put up my Bible software here, and on the screen you're going to see Luke chapter nine verse forty four. And, and then I'll let you guys comment on this in a second. But I just want to show the difference. Uh, over here we have, if you can see my mouse, we actually have a a uh, King James version. Okay. Uh, right in the center, I have a New American Standard Bible, which is known as the NASB. Those would be, be the initials. And over here, we have the NIV. Now, again, these are all English translations. Uh, but I want you to notice Luke 9.44, right? King James Version will generally, we will consider it a formal equivalency translation, right? A word for word. That's kind of word the idea. Word. And so you'll see this, verse 44, it says, Let these sayings sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. NASB, the one in the center, also uses word-for-word -word translation, and it says, as for you, let these words sink into your ears, for the Son of Man is going to be handed over to men. The NIV, on the other hand, uses a dynamic equivalency uh, for its translation. In other words, it's trying to translate the meaning, and notice the difference. It says, listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. If I can just point this out for one second, the difference is kind of right here, right? This very first phrase that I am highlighting at this moment. And you'll notice that word for word in the Greek, you're going to see this expression. Let these words, sorry, I apologize if you guys can see the, the little pop up there, but it says, let these sayings sink down into your ears. Let these words sink into your ears. Nobody talks that way anymore. So the NIV translates the meaning. This is again, the dynamic translation as opposed to the word for word one. And it says, well, what it's trying to say is listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. The meaning is exactly the same. It's just that there is a difference in philosophy in translation. Uh, Andrew, I know you wanted to say something about that. I just wanted to give a, a, a visual example of this so everybody knows what we're talking about. Formal on this side, formal on this side, dynamic on the right-hand side. Yeah, no, I wanted to just add to the the, the categories you added. I have, I have more categories that I want to put up there because we have the... Um, <laughs> We have the formal equivalence, right? The word for word translation. And then we have the dynamic, right? Which is a thought yes. for thought, right? So I want to add one, I guess, a step further. If you if you could, right, wanted to go even further than word for word, you would go to something that is the interlinear, which is not not really a Bible. I have it here. It says interlinear. Yeah. An interlinear Bible is not a translation. It is a tool right. that helps you identify Greek and Hebrew words with their English translation. And I have an example here of the interlinear because I think it, 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 all, it is also helpful. What it's doing is essentially translating the Greek or the Hebrew exactly word for word. Mm -hmm. But what happens is when you get that all of a sudden in English, it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. So while a formal equivalence or a word for word uh, translation will make it, I guess, make more sense, the interlinear will give it to you raw exactly how it is. Sure. For example, sure. You, for example here it says Matthew 118. 
Look at how it reads. This is interlinear. This is sure. straight up translated. It says, "What? What? Uh, what is? What is the text again? What is the text?" Uh, Matthew one eighteen, in the interlinear. Okay. And it says, "Of moreover, Jesus Christ, the birth in this manner was after having been engaged the mother of him, married to Joseph before to come together. They she was found with a stomach having from spirit holy." Makes zero sense. Let me let right. me uh, <laughs> let me actually. Do you mind if I put that on the screen for a second? Yeah, yeah go for it. Um, and, and this is again just to illustrate because I think it's it's important that we see the visuals here. Um, so here you go once again. You're going to see an interlinear, interlinear literal translation of the Greek New Testament right here. That's the text that Andrew just read. I'm actually going to try to make this a little bit bigger, but it's hard because of uh of of all the uh, different words. But you'll see it here, and you'll see right here. Uh, this is verse 18. And this is right in the middle now of Jesus Christ, the birth thus was having been betrothed for his mother. So uh, just an example of what an interlinear Bible looks like. And, and this is super helpful in study, obviously, because you're getting the exact word for word. Obviously, it doesn't make sense, but that, that would be a tool that you would use alongside this. Right. And then you then you have the formal equivalence, the word for word. And then yeah. you would have the dynamic equivalence, which would be thought for thought. But then we uh, there, there's another version that uh, recently came out, I believe. It's the Holman Christian Bible, and I'm not sure if there's another Bible that actually uses this, which uh, could be a marketing ploy, which is called optimal equivalence. The idea of optimal equivalence is that it will use word-for-word -word translation for the most part, but isn't afraid to use the dynamic or the thought-for-thought uh, -thought translation when it, yeah. when it needs to. So yeah. you can see how there's, there's, the, there's additional have, translations that are starting to come out. Yeah, yeah, I actually have an opinion on that. I think that's total marketing. And that's what I that's one of the things I thought too. Yes. And the reason I say that is because um by the way, we want to welcome Michelle Elliott, who by the way says that in Jamaica they still actually were use the word sink down into your ears. They still use that phrase. So I take it back. People do speak like that, <laughs> just at least out here in California, nobody does. I'll, I'll put it that way, Michelle. Thank you for correcting me on that. Um, but I, I think it's marketing only because there is no way fully to translate one language to another word for word because then you would be left with interlinear and so at some point you have to interpret exactly. and you have to bring some of this dynamic element so there is no uh, you can't find a bible that is 100 word for word and you can't find a Bible. Well, I take that back. You probably could find a Bible that is 100% dynamic. In other words, that doesn't even consider the word for word. But generally speaking, most Bibles, especially the word for word ones, I argue, would be more on that optimal equivalency. In other words, somewhere in the middle, right? Maybe a little bit more word for word, but not. But anyways, that's that, that's my point there. And, and I want to continue down the podium because I, I still have more, right? Because we have the dynamic, which is the thought for thought. And you guys mentioned paraphrase. I think this is huge. It's a, it's a huge difference between thought for thought and paraphrase. If you actually look at a paraphrase Bible, like the message Bible, it actually has the verses. It won't have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It actually has like 16 through 19. It says uh -huh. 16 through 19 and it has all those verses and it paraphrases the whole thing into a, a, a thought. So that's a completely different type style of Bible. And you can see that there are the issues that can, that there can be there. And then the last category, which I would say is like the heretical ones that completely are, have an wow. agenda. Wow. Have an agenda. I'll put it that way. Sure. And, and I, that's one thing I wanted to mention.
Oh, I thought you were going to mention actually which one is the heretical Bible, but I, no, I got no, you. We'll, we'll get it. I mean, you want, you want me to mention some? I mean, we're going to get into that, right? No, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. I would just say mention what, what in your opinion is a Bible that definitely should not be used. New World Translation. Oh wow, straight New out. New World huh? Translation, the Mirror Bible. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Mirror Bible. Yes, that is. If you guys have read the Mirror Bible. Um, I was I actually it's interesting because it seems to me that many of these translations that are heretical, if you actually look on your Bible app, they don't even show up on your Bible app. These are like complete, no, these side, are just, purchase, yeah, complete yeah. side purchases. And I wonder why, which is yeah. an interesting fact. Yeah, I, look, and and to, to be completely fair, we we have we do not have the time to speak about every single exactly. translation that's out there, right? But I think that uh, if if we, I, I think you guys would agree with this. I think generally speaking, we're looking at word for word translations, dynamic translations. That is, that they're translating the thoughts behind the verse, and then you have the paraphrase one, right? And then you get those extreme ones that we definitely don't want to uh, get too much into. By the way, those who do not know New World Translation is essentially the translation that Jehovah's Witnesses at Watchtower uh, uh, fully authorizes. And so um, you'll get some things in there, and we'll probably mention a little bit about that in, in a little bit. Um, the Message Bible, by the way, I just want to mention the Message Bible. Um, I, I don't, I don't mind the Message Bible. I just don't think it's a good study Bible. I'm just going to put it out that way. I, I, I think it's it's great for devotionals, but I do not think the Message Bible is a good Bible to actually study Scripture from. All or if right? you if you want to finish reading the Bible in a year quicker than a year, that's the Bible to go to. Yeah, yeah most likely. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even recommend. I wouldn't recommend the Message Bible if you ask me. I, I don't look. I don't. Yeah. Go ahead. We'll go ahead. Talk yeah. about it. No, no, I want yeah. I want to give some examples of why I don't think. Yeah, I don't well, think look, that's it, Bible. right, all right. Um, the reason I say that I don't have a problem with the Message Bible is because, like anything out there, the Message Bible is heavy on interpretation. My issue with the Message Bible, more than anything, is that it's based on the interpretations of one single man, Eugene Peterson. Exactly. Um, and so, uh, everything you have to take with a grain of salt. But if we're going to talk about serious issues behind a certain Bible. And we're going to point to a certain verse, for example. We're going to point to a certain text. The problem is that every single one of these Bibles is going to have something like that. Uh, and 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 this is the challenge. This is why we would answer the question that you have on screen. Are all Bible translations made equal? The answer is no. They're not. Right? And essentially what makes them different is what's behind the philosophy of that translation. Now, let's get again into a little bit more... Uh, if, if we could put it just from a historical aspect, let me ask you guys this question. How do ancient manuscripts play a role in Bible translations? Because we have to understand that the reason why the Bible translated in 1611 as the New King James Version sometimes is very different to what you're going to see in modern translations. And the big difference has to do with manuscripts. So, so what do we know about this, right? What do we know about ancient manuscripts and, and how they play a role in Bible translations? Well, I mean, we know that a lot of the translations, if anything, also have um, a lot of translations. A lot of the manuscripts themselves have errors themselves. Sure. The scribes weren't perfect people. They, those guys just lived to copy, copy, paste, copy, paste all day long. Yeah. And I mean... Obviously, if you do that for over for over four or five hours, you're going to get tired to some point. You're going to get drowsy. There's going to be a mistake made. So yeah. from what, how I understand it, 
there's there's not just one copy or anything of, of these different manuscripts, but they find they put all the ones that they have together right. and see what is the thought that each one is trying to say. What is the what is the main thing that each one is trying to say? And they add them all up, and that's usually how they get okay. So this is the officially what this part of this manuscript is trying to say. I mean, uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say it's it, it it's, it's something tedious. Trying yeah. to figure out all those errors. So even uh, uh, even if we're gonna um, base ourselves off of that, even up to that point, like there is certain errors in the Bible, grammatical er- errors more than anything. I don't think there's a there's a there's a problem with what they're trying to say, what the main message is, because the main message doesn't switch. But there are going to be grammatical errors, and a lot of people there's that's a whole different subject. Like a lot of people try to base themselves off of. Is like oh, but because of the the comma here, or like oh, they search this yeah. right here, but that that could go that could sometimes be traced back to the manuscripts, but they but nonetheless they play a huge role, because if we didn't have those manuscripts, we'd never have the Bible, right? right. We never have uh, um, so many sections of the Bible, and um, ever since like the first the the first um, Old Testament and the New Testament um, were written, even up to this date, there's new manuscripts. That are about that, about the New Testament, and the Old Testament, they're still being found, and some of them do have slight little di- different variations depending uh, on what area of the Mediterranean or what area of of whatever country they were found in. They're going to have a little variation because of how the people spoke in that time, what language they're being translated from, and who the translator was. If it wasn't a scribe, it was somebody else that spoke Greek or it was somebody else that spoke Hebrew. So even that has its own little little variations. Yeah, I, I can I add on to what you're saying, Jason? Um, so the process of getting all the manuscripts together is known as collation. Mm-hmm. And uh, collating manuscripts is an incredibly tedious And so, but, you know, you got a bunch of scholars and people who are experts in this field that generally are behind these Bible translations as well. And generally, and Andrew, you could probably attest to this a little bit, but generally, if it is a reputable translation, you will know who was behind the translation. Because you mentioned the New World Translation, and that's one of the interesting things about the Jehovah's Witnesses translation of the Bible, that we actually have no idea, really, who was behind and the scholars that were. Um, and so j- reputable translations, you'll know where they're coming from. And essentially, again, I, not to get too technical or too historical for a second, but there are two main texts at this point from which Bibles are translated. We're talking about the Textus Receptus is one. That's where we get the line of the of the King James Version. Uh, Reina Valera 60 also comes from that line. Um, but then you also have what we know as the Nestle Allen text. And, and generally, we're talking about the Greek New Testament at this point. Uh, when we're looking at we're looking at the Old Testament, we have the 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 Masoretes and all the work that they did when it came to uh, uh, to uh, uh, preserving the Old Testament scriptures. But when you got these two lines of thought, and essentially Textus Receptus is the one that has the greater amount of documents, but it it is newer documents. In other words, they don't go far back in time, whereas the Nestle Allen text that again, some of these modern translations use, they are the ones that are that have maybe fewer manuscripts available, but they go further back in time. And so the argument is, what are you using? Are you using the greater amount? And if you think about it, the further back we go in history, the more accurate we are, right? Because we're not looking at translation upon translation upon translation upon translation. 
you're now looking at a hundred years since maybe the autograph, the original text of the gospel of John or of the book of Romans, right? The epistle of Romans was written. So in my opinion, this is my opinion. Please feel free to disagree with me. I want a Bible that goes back as far po possible in the text and, and says, look, this is as far back as we have found manuscripts. And these are going to be more historically accurate because they're closer to the originals that were written. By the way, that's not the King James Version, not to throw out the King James Version out there, but that's not the King James Version. Uh, that's not the new King James Version. You're going to be looking at Bibles like the ESV, like the NASB, uh, like even the NIV, who are using much more manuscripts that have been found in, in past time. Go, go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. No, I just, I just wanted to ask, ask you a question. I wanted to see your, your personal opinion because, right, we have these two lines, right, the, the Texas Re uh, Receptus, the TR, and then you have what you call the Nestle Allen. Um, I don't know yeah. what's the difference between uh, the, the, the names because I know that the, the TR, the Texas Receptus, is part of the Byzantine line, right, if I'm correct? Yeah. Yes. And then you have the Nestle Allen, which is part of the Alexandrian line. That's right, correct. Of right. the, 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 the Egyptian line for, yeah, for the those Egyptian who, yeah, line. Correct. Yeah, right. and, and, and one of the biggest arguments why people will say, you know what, I'm going to go with the 10th century or the, the more manuscripts, the sure. TR, is for the fact that they come from the Alexandrian text because they come from the Egyptian text. And so, therefore, because it is Egyptian, therefore, it is pagan. What, what do you yeah, I want yeah. I, I yeah, think that's that, interesting. What, yeah, that that is that is a a, a total objection. Uh, now, a, a huge, yes, objection. and I and I would I would argue the following, right? So some people will say, look, the Alexandrian only has bad manuscripts, and you can't trust those manuscripts. All you can trust is the Byzantine one. But there's a problem because politics does get involved, as Jason had mentioned, and historically, let us remember that eventually Constantine establishes the center of the Christian Church in Byzantine. And so when you look at that, obviously there's going to be a collection of documents there because in other places of the world, Christians are being persecuted. That being said, that being said, I don't think you go wrong with either one, to be perfectly honest with you, because this is, and, and, and I'll, I'll throw this out there right now, and I think we'll get back to this in a second. I think one of the big things that we have to remember is that these, uh, uh, Jason mentioned errors. Uh, some would argue these are differences. These are known as textual variants, right? These are things that actually vary from text to text. And although there's some numbers out there that are super crazy, I think one of the numbers, I wrote it down here, I think 400,000 variants, 400, yes, variants in the New Testament alone. And these are basically a difference between one manuscript and another. That's considered one variant. But here's the interesting thing, in my opinion. When you look at these differences, they're actually very, very meaningless. In other words, they don't change the meaning of the text. And even if you were to find a variant that changes, and we're talking about 2%, 1% of those Four, variants. 400,000 words over 5,000 plus manuscripts doesn't seem as crazy. Yes. By the way, it, it could also be uh, uh, um, punctuation as well, by the way. just so, so it's not just only words, right? But it could be punctuation. The point is, when you look at it that way, well, it's possible that a text may sound a little different. I got some examples, by the way. But it may sound a little different, but the meaning behind the whole Bible, there's no problem. There's no problem at all. And ultimately, whether I'm using a new King James Version or I'm using an NIV or an English Standard Version or, or uh, a new American Standard Bible, 
you still get the same message, essentially, if you read the Bible correctly. By the way, never never come out with a uh, doctrine out of one verse. That's bad. In Bible translations, that is a big mistake. What you want to do is you want to see what the entire corpus of the Bible actually has to say. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, yeah, I wanted to add to that. I think that definitely what you guys are saying is right on point. You know, um, when we look at the, 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 the different manuscripts, I think they, they play a huge part, especially on us understanding how we get the translations that we have yeah. now. And, yeah. you know, uh, I think you guys mentioned it, right? The different errors or the variances they have, you know, one of the ways that we have that is copious error, right? Uh, um, uh, Jason was mentioning that, right? But from the different scribes, just an example here. Right. I think I mentioned this last time, right? In Second Chronicles 925, uh, when it's talking about Solomon's stalls, it talks about 4,000. In First Kings, it says, First Kings 426, it says 40,000 stalls. Which was it? 4,000 or 40,000, right. Right, right? When right. it comes to, to numbers, it's easy to get those wrongs because you don't have context. So those are and easy, you, you easy errors. Add, yeah, another a, zero. A papy- papyrus that's been, yep. a vellum that's just been preserved. Right. You know, right. I mean, this is this is easy stuff, right? We talked about the expansion of piety. Uh, I'm gonna drop another one on on you guys. Conjectural emendation. I couldn't find a uh, uh, how would you say an exact definition of this. So I, I thought of I, I thought of it in my myself. You know, I don't know if this. Uh, uh, you could correct me if I'm wrong. Right, the changes made based on what they thought the really the reader really meant. Sure. Or the, yeah. So they make different changes, right? They're, they're, making, they're making they're making conjectures, essentially. Exactly. Some, they're, some they're, of them, they're, they're changing based on the conjecture they're making, yeah. Some of them, I would say, intentionally unten- unintentional, if that yeah. makes sense, right? Because yeah. they're trying to make of the text what they have in front of them and trying to copy that down. Uh, 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 one of these, uh, I guess, um, the words that I have here is transposition, which is called harmonization. I'm going to give an example here, right? The newer manuscripts from the 10th century, in, in essence, add verses to parallel Gospels. For example, you might have a reading in, in Mark, right, where it would have extra verses right. in it. And you would say, well, why is this here? And then you think about what the scribe was jotting down right. as they were doing this, right? And they say, okay, well, I know that the Gospel of John says this right, right. here. that has this ending. So they insert that ending in Mark and say, oh, okay, this is supposed to be here when it really wasn't supposed to be there. So it's not really per se an error. It's adding text that is in the scriptures, but isn't per uh, per se uh, is not supposed to be there. Right. And I have this here, an example of this um, in Matthew 27, 35. Right. Let's see if we we can put it on the screen. Matthew 27, 35. Are you going to use two different versions? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Matthew twenty-seven thirty-five, and okay. you could use uh, the NASB. Okay. And then uh, the uh, New King James version. Okay, perfect. Let me let me put it on the screen here, just so uh, people can see this as well, because uh, I think this will help out a lot. Okay, so there we go. Uh, Matthew twenty-seven thirty-five uh, in the first two columns, um, yeah. right here. Go ahead. No, I, I actually don't have the NASB version, but you guys can read it up there. Uh, in, sure. uh, but I have the New King James version here. That says in Matthew twenty-seven thirty-five. It says, "Then they you're reading, crucified." You're, sorry, you're reading the New King James. Yes, the New King I'll James. I'll add that in there as well. Okay, go ahead. The New King James says in Matthew twenty-seven thirty-five. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Yes. Right. 
Uh, now, I don't know if you have the NASB there. Let me see if I can. I do. I do. I I'll, read, I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. It's okay. right in the center right here. And it says, and when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among themselves by casting lots. And that's it. And then they jumped to verse 36. So you have a, a, the, the longer reading, right? In, in uh, Right here in the New King James King Version. James. Mm -hmm. But you say, well, where did they get that from? I actually have the verse that it was transposition from, which was in John 19, 24, where you actually have that extra reading. In John 19, 24, uh, it says, they said, therefore, amongst themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. So we see that the scribe, in trying to jot down or trying to copy this, right, mm -hmm. he sees the short, uh, uh, the short version here, and he says, wait, this is not right. Over here in John, it has this longer version. Well, let's put that part of John and let, let's put it right here in Matthew because maybe that's that was cut off, right? right but right. it really wasn't the reading. So that's we have some variance there in, in, in doing that. So now so now what, what we're seeing is not necessarily a mistake in the message of the Bible, but what we're seeing is that along the way things get added. In fact, uh, along the way, it's it's interesting, right? Historically speaking. The documents don't get smaller. They actually get bigger, yeah. right? And that's because you do get uh, all these additions of piety, as you had mentioned, right? Or conjectural emendations. Uh, you know, they're, they're trying to figure this out. Obviously, they're getting some manuscript that that is, that is you know, battered. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and so they're trying to do the best they can. In fact, I, I want to read something to you guys because I think this is where um, it's important that we that we noticed what Ellen White says about this. And because Ellen White does not shy away from this. Let me see if I can pull this up. Because she talks about, and I've read this quote before, uh, where she says uh, this whole thing about whether or not there could be errors in, in, in the actual copy of the text. Um, she says the following. Let me see if I can pull this up here. Uh, I Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm probably not going to pull it up. But here we go. Uh, she says, um, uh, some look at look to us gravely and say, don't you think there might have been some mistake in the copyist or in the translators? This is Ellen White speaking as, as, as open as she can. And she says, this is all possible. And the mind that is so narrow that narrow that it will hesitate and stumble over this possibility or probability would be just as ready to stumble over the mysteries of the inspired word. All the mistakes will not cause trouble to one's soul or cause any feet to stumble that would not manufacture difficulties from the plainest revealed truths. The truths are there. There's no mistake in the truth, but we do recognize that this is why we actually have different versions of the Bible, different translation versions. Yeah. And I actually wanted to add one more. I don't know if we have time for that. It's just it's not a transposition. It's actually right here in John 5, 4. It was believed that there was there's there's places uh, uh, in scripture where the scribe yeah. actually is adding to the text because of what they believe was commentary that was written real quick. So what you have is when you're writing when they were writing down the scriptures, sometimes they would put commentary either on the bottom, on the left, on the right. And now right. you have this scribe that's looking at this at, at this copy that's been battered, right, and trying to do the same thing, trying to copy it down. And he's saying, well. Is this commentary, commentary, or is this actually part of this copy? So you have places where co extra commentary is added, right? Yes. And we actually have this in John five four, 
I believe uh, the King James and the New King James Version actually have this addition that none of the older manuscripts have. In yes, John 5, 4, it says, uh, uh, when is this let, is talking let me, about let me, uh, the let me, pull let me of put Bethesda, on the right? Yeah, let me put it on the screen here. Uh, let's go right here. Okay, and we're just going to... John 5, 4, I believe, is the pull of Bethesda where Jesus is coming. Yeah. And it says, it says some, sometimes, oh, right here it says, for an angel went down at a certain time in the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Right. right? So this, this is a commentary that has a thought that to be a commentary that was added you know, in, in the copying of this, you know, so for those of you who ever, ever read this scripture and ever thought, man, this is a, a weird that it would be put in here. Now you kind of understand right. that uh, the reasoning for that. A Andrew, by the way, uh, just to illustrate here, if, uh, if, if you're watching on the screen, you'll notice in the center column, we have the uh, NASB and it has verse three here, but there's no verse four. And instead, it just jumps straight into verse 5. And this is to illustrate what's going on. What's happening here is that the NASB is using older manuscripts to translate the Bible. And because the older manuscripts don't have that text in there, what's happening is that the translators have to make a decision. Do we include it because it's in the later manuscripts? Or do we not include it because it's, in, it's not in the older ones? And so the NASB, or for example, in uh, in the NIV, which I have right on the right-hand side of the screen as well, you'll notice that verse 3 is right here. But verse 4 has just little brackets, no text next to it, and then we got verse 5. And it's interesting, if anybody wants to see this, um, it, it, literally, I'm, I'm highlighting what the little note on the NIV will say, and it says, some manuscripts here include, holy or in part, paralyzed and they waited for moving from the waters from time to time an angel of the lord look is telling you that some manuscripts are included have this text included but i would argue that this is the challenge between translations of manuscripts when some have it and some don't what do you do and yet andrew back to the same point we keep making that still doesn't change the story of the bible and and now i'm going to get back to the king james version this whole issue of people who are just adamant about the king james version Ellen White points to this issue, to this very verse, and she says, look, that was tradition. That's what the people commonly believed. And if you follow the thought, if I'm going to grab the King James Version and use that text and say, look, that's scripture right there, that's inspired, then wouldn't we have to say that God randomly and arbitrarily heals people? Like, what an unfair God that he would stir the waters and only the ones that were healthy enough could get healed or they had enough energy to get healed. You see, this is the problem when trying to claim that one translation is perfectly perfect. They're not. They're all going to have something. And I think it's important that we're humble enough to recognize it. Go, go ahead, Jason. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I mean, I know, I know I've personally done it, but when it comes to the different translations, like sometimes I could be using King James, the new King James. That's always my to go to Bible. Uh, I always, whenever I preach, whatever I do, like it's always here. But then sometimes if I look at the new international version or other ones, since it's a little bit more, it has a little bit more into it, it has a little bit more um, trying to, trying to say what the context is. I like the version a little bit better. I'm like, I'm reading it like this, but I like how this, 
how this version of the Bible says it because it adds like a little, it adds that little more emphasis that you sometimes need. But we have to be careful with that because sometimes overemphasizing things really leaves out the meaning of what the entire text is trying to say, what the what the whole chapter is trying to say. So we have that's something that we should keep an eye on, something that we should also be careful with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, now let, we we kind of hinted at this, but I, I want to get your opinion on this question as well, because I think that we have to recognize that some translations, and we're not generally talking about the the, the ones that are well known, the you know the the New King James or uh, the English Standard Version. And again, we're talking about English translations because there are Spanish translations as well. That could be a whole different conversation. Uh, but you know the NIV things like that. But, By the way, but just, yeah, you yeah, mentioned yeah. that, and you saying yeah. that the King James is the only authorized version. Oh yes. And yeah. all of a sudden, if you speak Spanish, if you speak any other language, what yes. I've I've literally heard people say, then then they have to learn English. Yes. Yes. They want to hear the word of God. I've literally heard people say this. Like, how can you say that? Like, but, but and, and Andrew, and in that case, we would be we would we would be in the line of Muslims more than Christians, because. Because look at this, look at this. Um, in Islam, the idea is that Quran is actually word for word dictated by God. Therefore, you cannot change the words behind it, right? The moment that you translate it into another language, although there are translations, you cannot consider the that the inspired word of God, mm. right? Only what is written in the original language of the Quran, that is, is, is actually inspired word. Now, as Christians, you know why we can't believe that? We can't believe that because the New Testament is based on the Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Greek translation in the time of Jesus of the Old Testament. They were practicing that back then, and there was no problem with it at all. So now, so we, so which one are we going to follow? Are we going to follow the line of Paul, who was using the Septuagint? to quote the Old Testament, was using the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, or are we going to follow the line of Islam and say, nope, it has to be in this language. It has to be the way it was word for word in English in the King James. I, I, and, I think and, right. and wasn't this in every generation? Like all of a sudden you go from Greek, then you go to what? Latin? Latin then you right. go from Latin to what? You know, you have the Geneva Bible, then you have all right. these different different Bible and, 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 at every, and at every point it was like, no, we don't accept that Bible because we have this Bible. This is the Bible. Yeah. But then in the next generation, now that becomes the Bible. And it's well, like, I mean, well, that's, that's the that, Bible. Because, that of that, Bible. because of that, that's why we have King James because he didn't want to accept the, the Bible that, that his predecessor had, had translated himself. And even though that translation was really based off the original English translation was, I think it was John White Whitecliffe that he's he's attributed yeah. as being the original translator of the English Bible, but it's just all. To be honest, if you yeah. really look behind it, the different translations of the Bible, it's it unfortunately ends up being something political more than something that it should be, which is religious and spiritual. Yeah, I, look, I I don't know if I could apply that to every single translation out there, but yeah, but exactly. you, not, you not are, every single translation. Yeah, you are on point though when you say. That behind the King James translation, when Erasmus was doing all the things that he was doing, there was a lot of politics behind it, a lot of it. Now, some people will argue, well, look, the reformers used the King James version. That was 
their Bible or the Textus Receptus. That is what they use, right? And that's where the the uh, um, that is where the King James version gets its its uh, its text from. That's where it's translated from. And yet, so what are we going to do? Are we now now call the reformers perfect in this process? I mean, look at the end of the day. At the end of the day, there is only one that is perfect, and that is Jesus. Only he is perfect. There is nothing, nothing else that is perfect in heaven or on earth except for God himself. Perfection is a quality of God. Therefore, let's not equate a Bible translation to a quality of God. That that just, it, it does not work. Nah. It doesn't. And, and I think that's bad theology to begin with. Um, now, with this, I'm not saying don't read the King James Version. I already no. told you which was my favorite translation, the New King James. All right. I, 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 we're, we're not arguing here to uh to speak uh, or or to not read the new king james just to recognize they're not perfect translations by the way quick story here before andrew i'll let you go um uh the coma johannium okay yes which is first a john text in first john chapter 5 verse 7 that literally explicitly states in the king james version that there are three it points to a trinity the father basically the son and the holy ghost that is not in the most oldest and in the majority of manuscripts. In fact, Erasmus was pressured into putting that text in there. And the argument was, he said, I'm not going to put it in there because I can't find it. And he was told, well, if you find it in one, one manuscript, would you include it? He said, if you give it to me in one, thinking that they weren't going to find it, he would include it in the translation of the King James Version. And guess what happened? They found it in one manuscript. Now, people grab this, and because they don't see it in an NIV, because they don't see it in an ESV, because they don't see those words in there, oh my goodness, look, it's denying the Trinity. No, that's not the case. The Trinity is not based on one text, but on what we know of the entire Bible. This is the problem with Bible translations. We got to recognize that they are not perfect. Yeah, and I just wanted to add to that. I mean... Uh, Erasmus in, in translating the I think I mentioned this before translating the 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 last part of Revelation I don't know if it's the last chapter or the last yeah, verses yeah. actually has is translating from one from a commentary that he found because he couldn't even find uh, uh, one uh, uh, I believe Greek translation or or where that he's translating from he he's actually translating from a commentary and he's trying to guess at what the what the words actually say. So in the King James version, you actually have Erasmus errors in at the end of Revelation. I believe. I mean, it's not even huge errors. I believe. I don't remember. It's a uh, you put story of life instead of book of it. life. I got it up here. You I got, got it right up here? here for you. Yeah. So Revelation twenty two nineteen is the text. This is the King James version, the one I'm highlighting. It says, "And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the whole city, and from the things which are written." in this book now uh what shall we do let's just do an nasb okay same yeah. text right uh verse 19 and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy god will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book and so again there's a difference there this is the difference you were pointing to one says book of life the other one says tree of life he doesn't know what to do so he goes commentary includes it in scripture and all of a sudden now people are saying look this is the inspired text on the word of god and yet it's not the end of the world no because they both they both mean something bad it's not like 
the tree of life and book of life, all of a sudden your doctrine is, is destroyed. Yes. It's, yes just, right. it's just like you said, it's understanding the humility and saying, okay, you know, we have to understand where these translations came from. Right. And just because you listen, just because you grew up listening to something your entire life does not make it, I guess, what is authoritative, you know, yeah. just because you grew up on the King James doesn't mean that because that was what was used, that is what has to be used for all time. And that's the only thing, right? If yeah. you ask me, I, I started reading in the NIV. Whenever right. I put on the audiobook, I still to this day will use the NIV audiobook. I put on the ESV, even though I prefer the ESV for studying. And I'm like, oh, the ESV just, it's not how I know the verse in my head. And I just like <laughs> switch it to the NIV. Yeah. That doesn't mean that the NIV yeah. is the book or 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 whatever, you know. Just yeah. because you you're you that's what you're used to. Well, look, I, let me let me jump into that though, because uh, look, our our time is running, right? And let's let's talk for a second about the NIV. I I went across this um, maybe like about a year ago, where somebody posted something on Facebook talking about how the NIV is an evil translation and takes away from the divinity of Jesus. Um, and the reason why this was the very interesting. The reason why was because the NIV omits certain titles of Jesus and it omits certain texts that talk about Jesus. And so I want to ask you guys this because I, I and, and Andrew, I know you like this, but I'll, I'll let you uh, opine in a second. But the NIV is one of the most popular modern Bible translations. We, we know this, but, but but is it evil? Let's talk about this a little bit. What do you want to say, Andrew? Before that, can I actually find a quote that I found from someone looking up? On Google, the the website I don't know is it Quora? Have you guys ever Quora, heard? Yeah, Quora? the question, the yeah, 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 question yeah. And answers. Yeah. Right. This is what a, a person literally says on this. It says, it says about the NIV. It says, yeah. yes, it was assembled using the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus. This is where the term the Vatican comes from. Highly edited and corrupt manuscripts attacking the deity of Jesus. It removes thousands yeah. of words changes doctrines and even makes jesus a liar only the king james 1611 authorized version comes from the correct original wow. manuscripts from antioch all others come from these right. catholic corrupt manuscripts right right could i have you know worded, worded it better yeah look you know what look first of all uh matthew we appreciate it brother but uh you know we we got to get ready for uh tomorrow as well but matthew just says hey i just want to mention you're all west coasters on the panel so you can go all night uh, yeah, we, yeah, we could, we could in theory, we could, uh, but you know, we, we obviously don't want to extend this too long, but look, let me say something about this. And this is where I think it's so important to know history of the church. Exactly. Because at some point, at some point there was only one Christian church. There was only one. All right. Now, D did the church get corrupted? Yes, it did. We know this historically. But let's just let's just admit at one second that the Catholic Church of what we know now is not the Catholic Church of how it started. At some point, it, and we talk about the time of Constantine and, and all the things that he did in favor of the church, and sure, corruption started at that moment. But, I, I mean, there was preservation of the text. And in fact, Many of the manuscripts that we have right now that are used even for the King James Version was preserved by the Catholic Church itself. So what are we doing here? Like, like this is just, this is, I think, irresponsible comments. And I'm sorry I'm going off on this, but, but it's true. Irresponsible comments that mislead people all the time. We need, uh, to, stop uh, it. We need to stop it. 
And in reality, those 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 manuscripts, their name like that because that's when the scholars were looking for them. That's in the building that they found them. That's where they found it them. It has right. nothing to do with oh, because it was edited by the Vatican. No, it's just that in his in his search, that scholar happened to found it in the Vatican City in right. their vaults. Right. It has nothing to do with with what what people are trying to to say it has to do with. Right, nothing, nothing at all. Yeah, I, I actually wanted to add because right here we you guys mentioned something right that is. Uh, the quote I have here, highly edited, corrupt manuscripts attacking the deity of Christ. Why does it say that it's attacking the deity of Christ? You just mentioned something, Mitch, right, about the Kamiohanium, right, the, yeah. the first John yeah. 5, 7, which is omitted, right, from all the new translations, including the NIV. So they'll go look at a, a version of the they'll look at the NIV and say, see, that book right there is removing deity because all of a yeah. sudden now we can't prove that God, the, 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 the Trinity but like we said, if we are just building our doctrine off one verse, that's a problem right there. If you yes. can't find any other verse in the Bible that talks about the deity of Christ, that talks about the Holy Spirit uh, being God, Jesus is God, then I think that there's an issue right there. So what do we want? Do we want to leave that verse in there, right? First John 5, 7, because it talks about the deity of God only to support our doctrine? Or yeah. would we rather have what the Bible actually says, right? So when they say, oh, we're removing deity when we're taking out verses like that. Or all of a sudden, when the uh, uh, the NIV or these new, uh, you know, NASB, ESV, all of a sudden, when they remove the expansion of piety, when they remove God out of the temple of God, when they remove uh, uh, Jesus out of Christ, when we remove Lord out of, out of Lord Jesus, right? All, yeah. all of a sudden, yeah. we're attacking the deity of Christ. Like, none of this is affected, right? But they're using this as a ploy for these new translations, which I think is, it's just bad. It's bad logic in, in itself. Right. And the fact that these Greek manuscripts, all of a sudden they're based from the Alexandrian text, you know, because they came from Egypt, they're evil. Like they can go on and on. Right. Actually, uh, one of the guys that, you know, you were talking about the NIV being Catholic, right. Yes, yes. You know, who's, you know, who actually says this Steve Anderson, that yeah, guy, yeah. that, that yeah. The, Steve Anderson actually says that, that the NIV version is Catholic and right, and he points to First Corinthians nine twenty seven. And actually, if you could, if you could go there, because I want to make a, a distinction sure, here. Sure, First Corinthians First, what? Uh, First Corinthians nine twenty seven. Okay, uh, right. I have it. I think I have it. Let's see. Okay, so he says that this is another reason why the NIV is is uh, uh what do you call it? Is Catholic? Because look yeah. at what uh, uh it says in the NIV. It says, "No, I strike a blow to my body." Oh, and hold make on, hold it on. My, NIV, okay. NIV, right? Okay, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, got it. I'm First Corinthians 9, 27, it says, No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified for the prize. Right. So he, in essence, is saying, okay, when he says that you're striking a blow to your body, that's asceticism. That's what the Catholics do. They, hmm. they beat themselves, right? If this is read in context, you obviously understand what it's trying to say. But what uh, my point that I'm trying to make is that if you actually look at the King James Version and how they translate this, okay. I wonder if you have it there. I have it right here. Now, yep. un, un, under the King James Version, it says, but I keep under my body instead of uh, uh, what the NIV says, I strike I a blow to my body. Yeah. Who speaks like that? I keep under my body. What does that even mean? Right? You might be able to get the meaning, but no one speaks like that. Now, 
I actually have different versions here. I have the new King. Um, I have the King James version, the NASB, and then I have the interlinear. Right here in the NASB, I think it translates it the best. It says, "But I discipline my body." I strictly discipline my body. Okay, right, right here it says, "But I discipline my body." I don't know. Yeah, and I, I have New King James, New King James, and right here it says, "But I, but I discipline my body." Okay, now the thing that I want to point out right here, NIV says, "I strike a blow to my body." NIV yeah. prides itself on being, and this is one of the the thing, the downsides on being a word, a uh, thought for thought, right? Sure. And on this verse, it decides instead of going for thought for thought, it actually goes with the word for word translation, which actually doesn't help it. Because if you look at the interlinear, it says, but I beat of me the. So it's actually trying to go with the mm-hmm. original meaning, which is in the interlinear. But in actually doing that, you actually almost kind of can lose the meaning. But what I'm trying to say is that. While NIV is actually closer than the KJV, the new the King James Version, in translating that word, they both, in essence, kind of lose in, in both sides. You know, the NASB actually wins uh, on this. But what I'm trying to say is the KJV is saying that that has to do with Catholicism. No, right. NIV is just trying to get to the exact wording that they used. It has nothing to do with it being Catholic. They're trying to actually go for a word for word as the interlinear has here. Yeah, um, I, I look. I, I wanted to mention something about the NIV, uh, and and I'm I'm going to use a text as well uh, that I think is important. And um, this is let me see if I could point this out. I think it's uh, Matthew eighteen eleven. So I'll put this on the screen again here, um, Matthew eighteen eleven. And it, uh, again, on the left hand side right here that I'm going to highlight is the uh, New King James Version. Um, and basically, the verse says, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. It's a, it's a verse that we know, right? It's a very, very popular verse. Um, now, if I'm going to, uh, let me see if I can pull this up here, Matthew 18, 11, here on uh, the NIV, for example, which is the one on this side. You'll notice that here's verse 10, but verse 11 is omitted, okay? There is no verse 11. And so, again, the comment is, is this on purpose? Is it intentional? Is the purpose here to find a way to change the meaning of the Bible? And this is where it requires, it requires that we study more of scripture because if the purpose of the NIV was to completely remove the mission of Jesus as shown in Matthew chapter 18, 11, then we have to ask the following. Why is it then that in Luke 19, 10, in the same NIV, it says, for the Son of Man came to save, and uh, sorry, for the Son of Man came to, say, uh, to, came to seek and to save the lost. In other words, if the NIV was truly trying to remove the mission of Jesus, why did it leave that verse? See, I think, I think we have to be reasonable when it comes to this conversation, okay? As reasonable as possible. Yes, you have Bibles that are total extremes, but... Most Bible translations are trying their best. And in no way are we going to say one Bible translation is more perfect than the other. But we are going to say that it is better for you, for you who is listening, to actually read more of your Bible, number one, and number two, to have multiple translations available. Because the more that you do this, the more knowledgeable you will be. Now, let me let me add one last thing here. You're, well, you know what? I won't even add it here because I think that's that's our last question. How do we choose a Bible? But go ahead, go ahead, Andrew. 
Oh, yeah. And I think that what you're saying is right on. You're hitting it right on the nail because we have to take everything that we're reading, all the translations, right? None of them are perfect. They all they all have their weaknesses. Even if you do a word for word, it has its weaknesses in, in, in trying to communicate, you yes. know, uh, certain messages like they all have certain things that are wrong. Like the one I just said right here, the NIV actually goes for the word for word on that translation and actually makes it harder to understand when it says right. I strike a blow to my body body. But if you actually look at Philippians 4.13, it actually does a really good job, NIV, at translating what other translations don't do. If you look at Philippians 4.13. Sure, sure. let's put it up real quick here. Okay, I got it. This is the NIV the most, on the right-hand side. One of the most abused verses, right? I can do all things through Christ, right? Who strengthens sure. me. Sure. But it actually uses, it says, I can do all this, this. through Christ who strengthens me. So in essence, no one can say, oh, you know what, God God can help me with this uh, soccer game or this basketball game, right, or God right, can use right. me with this bet that I have against, you know, uh, uh, the Clippers or, or whatever right. it may be or whatever <laughs> it may be, you know, that you're doing because, oh, you know, God can help me through all this, you know, through his strength, right? I can do all things through God who strengthens me. No, what Paul is really referring to is I can do all this, right, when he's talking about the suffering that he's going through. Everything right? that he's gone through, right. Everything that he's gone through. So the NIV actually renders better than other translations in this in this point, right? Yeah. So we have to look at yeah, yes, NIV is not perfect. It has you know uh, it, it, its own uh, weaknesses, right? And it's, uh, I looked this up in many places. It actually doesn't show uh, uh, where it doesn't do the word for word, so that can be a weakness of it, sure, you know. Sure. And, and but I think that we have to take all these translations with a with a grain of salt, and we have to realize that each has its strength, each has its weakness. Yeah, I, I, I go ahead, go ahead, Jason, go ahead, go ahead. Well, something that just came to thought when talking about translations in college, my, 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 my English professor in college, um, he actually was, uh, the guy was just, the guy when it came to language just was just remarkable. Yeah, he, he knew, I think it was 30 something languages and actively practiced 10. So something that always blew my mind when I would a, watch a, a the English guy. Is that what they're called? Polyglot. Polyglot. Yes. Yeah. So Polyglot. this this man, every time I walked into that class, I would love sitting and having conversations with him. If anybody that went to Antillian, um, or even if he's he's on here, shout out to Professor Miller if he ever watches this. But um, something that I would always love when I would walk into the into that classroom was that he would have a text on the board in a, a Bible text on on the board in a different language. Sometimes we'd show up and he had Bible text written out in Japanese and Japanese characters. Yeah, we'd show in there in Hebrew and in different languages. And if you ever saw the man in church, he had his Hebrew Bible yeah. with him in church because he was so he he got so tired of all these different translations. He's like, I want what the original language was. So he put it upon himself to learn Hebrew. So something it just came to thought right now. Something that blew my mind was this whole thing behind the name Adam. We just yeah. think it's the name. Yeah. Yeah. But if you really look into the Hebrew language, you see that Adam met red man. Yeah. So in essence, saying that God made Adam out of clay, meaning that Adam essentially looked like Native American skin color. I can re relate. I look like a red man right now. <laughs> I feel so like, like Adam right we, now. Is that what you so guys are many, saying? There's so many things in the Bible that we really have to look down to yeah. down to down to depth of things each language is going to have its own different meaning to to several different words so we right, have to right. be really careful when studying we really 
if you really want to study the Bible, you honestly have to take it back to, okay, what does the original text say? Because even when I've heard uh, Mitch give sermons, you have to give the original word. What the original word for iglesia was, iglesia. You have to give the original words and give the meaning of the words to find a deeper context into what the, the Bible is trying to say in our language nowadays. Because if not, the meaning of that text is going to lose its meaning completely. Yeah. Yeah. And there, and there are so many tools for that, by the way, I, I don't, I don't want to ignore, um, uh, Adan Carcamo's, uh, um, uh, comment, right. Because in, in Spanish, he, he was just asking, what do we think about, um, the uh, Bible of the Americas? This is the 1909 edition. Um, and I, this is the little that I know, because again, we can't, we can't touch on every single translation, but I believe that the Bible of the Americas, La Vila de las Americas, it it actually follows along the line of a word-for-word -word translation. We're looking at a formal equivalency translation and along the lines of the principles of the NASB. Okay, so the New American Standard Bible. Uh, so I, it's fine. I, I, I mean, look, we're not standing here one for the other. What we're really trying to do, I think, is just bring balance, right, to this conversation. And I don't think, I don't think that in Adventism in particular, we should be having a debate over which text of the Bible we should be using as long as we're using one of these mainline Bibles. Because, of course, New World Translation, as we said, and we'll briefly mention this, you know, you, read John. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You mean we shouldn't be stoning Matthew Reyes when he opens up the NLT? And the NLT. The New <laughs> no, absolutely not. I don't think hey, so. Man, people are. Yes. Now. T totally different when it comes to, for example, a translation that's trying to promote a theology like the New World Translation, where if you read John chapter 1, verse 1, literally it'll say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. No, excuse me. And the Word was with God, a and God. the Word was a God. Nope, that is wrong. That is no other translation will do that, but they will because if we kept it as the Word was God, then it would mean that Jesus is God and it goes against their theology. But outside of these translations, you should be fine. Now, we got to wrap this conversation up. And so we have to ask this final question here. And that is, if you were to choose a Bible translation, or if you are going to counsel someone on choosing a Bible translation, what advice would you give them? My first thing would be, there's two things I would tell that person. I would tell them, choose which one is more comfortable for you to understand, but pray for God to lead you to which one he wants you to read from. Mm. Because it could be the paraphrase, paraphrase Bible. It could be, it's easy for a third or fourth grader to read it. But is that really going to give you the juice that the Bible has for you? The yeah. context that it wants you to understand? Of course not. People in that one, the editor could put whatever whatever words they really want to replace it with. They could replace the meaning. But really just which Bible do, is it easier for you to understand God, for you to see what Jesus' lessons had, ha, having the, the lessons Jesus has for you. That, that would be my, that would be my choice. That would be my advice. Like what, which one is easier for you to understand? Andrew, let me, let me, before you comment, because there was something that, uh, as as uh, Jason was saying this right now, and Matthew put put this comment. He said, "Pick what you understand." I I agree. 
Uh, I think if you understand the NIV better, go with the NIV. I, if, if you understand uh, the New King James, go with the New King James. Except that, I think there's a limit to this. And, for example, we mentioned the message. Mm-hmm. Paraphrasing of the Bible by Eugene Peterson, who has now passed away. Eugene Peterson was an incredible mind, honestly, uh, in the evangelical world. But I have an issue. I'll tell you what it is. Okay. Again, I have no problem if you pick up the, the message Bible and you read. Andrew, I know said I know you said you did, but let me just state state what my problem is. With a translation like that, you are getting the understanding of a single individual, and that is what you're picking up. I believe that you should be trying first and foremost. If you want to do that second, I got no problem. Because that's like a commentary, right? We grab commentaries and we read what someone understood from the text. But I think first and foremost, as a Bible student, you should be trying to get what at least is the original thought in the Mm -hmm. verse. If possible, use both, word for word and the original thought. And then you go with a translation like the message to compare, to hear a commentary on the scriptures. But I don't think that should be your primary study Bible. Andrew, go, go ahead, man. I, I know you wanted to say something about the message as well. No, no, yeah, I was going to get to that. Um, I guess if, if I had to choose my my favorites from the ones that I've... Obviously, I'm, I'm biased to the NIV, and maybe it holds a lot of scrutiny. And maybe I'll have a, a, a Dan, Daniel Wallace, is his name? Is that Dan his Wallace, name, Daniel? Yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan Wallace, who's to support me. He says that he believes that that is the best phrase for phrase. Um uh, a translation there is out there, so maybe maybe that'll put some uh, validity to it. No, I, honestly, when it comes to NIV, that is that is what I grew up on. Do, do I do I hold to it? No, that's just how I know the verses. You know, I didn't know anything about translations. That's how I learned it. You know, and maybe there's a there's a um, a Bible that you've picked up that that's what you learned. Maybe it's the NLT. Maybe it's a whatever it may be that 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 version that you listen to. But I would say. In humility, just realize that there might be weaknesses with that Bible, and understand what are the weaknesses. And you know, if you all of a sudden you want a study Bible, maybe the NIV might not be the greatest option. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have as many commentary or footnotes. You know, maybe you want might want to go with a word for word. Me personally, you know, I know Dan Wallace says that he thinks the NASB is the word is is the best uh, uh, word for word translation. I would rather go with the ESV. I've read both the NASB and the ESV, and to me, the ESV seems a little bit more readable to me, at yeah. least. And it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty good word for word. I think um, NIV and NLT, I would say that the NLT is a little bit more free than even the NIV. But in my personal opinion, I think that NLT is as free as I'll go, you know, as, for, for that. I think NLT actually comes from, I believe, the Living Bible. When they did the Living Bible, they actually that was actually a paraphrased Bible, much yeah. like the Message, but not as bad as the Message. I, I mean, and I'll get into that right now. So it comes from <laughs> it comes. They, they had the the Living Bible. They did the Living Bible. I forget what year they did it. I had it somewhere around here. But after they did the Living Bible, it was so successful that they actually were able to come out with the. They wanted to come out with the New Living Translation, which is yeah. actually a thought for thought translation, so no longer paraphrased. The thought for thought translation, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I actually read the NLT. I think it's a good one. And as far as the message, I don't know that I would go for the message. I feel like that one, like we said, uh, I actually have a couple examples here of um, 
the the phrase for phrase here, and I don't I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, uh, Matthew five thirteen, okay, is the ESV, and then I have the the Message Bible. Uh, Matthew five thirteen. I don't I don't have a copy of the Message Bible here, so I can't okay. put it on the screen. I'll yeah, read the right. ESV. Yeah, it says, "You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet." Now the Message Bible says here. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. I, I, I like that, bro. I, I, I like that, man. That's about as direct as you can get. I don't know, man. Uh, uh, I'll give you another weird one. Uh, uh, Proverbs one seventeen in the ESV. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. And the M message Bible says nobody robs a bank with everyone watching. <laughs> how yes. is that? A trend? How is that? I don't yeah. know. I feel like the jump is, you know, if, if the message is what you understand, by all means, I wouldn't stay on that for too long. If you, my opinion, you know, but you know, God, honestly, God has reached people. God has reached me with the NIV for those people sure. that think I'm a heretic, you know. So, you know, I, I think. I, I, don't worry, don't worry, brother. And on Keep Calm Avenue, we do not think you're a heretic. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm on my in my safe zone. I'm in my what do you call it? Um, my private place, my closet. Yeah, yeah. You're in your bubble. <laughs> let me let me finish with this. Uh, this is the advice that I would give on anybody trying to choose a Bible translation. Uh, again, I think that you should have multiple Bible translations. So do not choose one, choose multiple ones. If you get some Bible software that has many of them, perfect. Okay. Uh, you guys saw me using uh, the, the Bible software that I used to study. Um, but I would recommend, especially if you have a digital version of the Bible, to use a Bible that actually has footnotes on the variants of manuscripts. And I, I just want to highlight this. I, I was mentioning this to you, uh, Andrew, and, and I told you I would show you this. Uh, and so I want to show everybody this. This is actually the NET Bible. All right. Not really a popular Bible, but uh, a lot of uh, evangelical Baptist scholars worked on it. Actually, Daniel Wallace worked on a good portion of the, uh, I think, like the book of Revelation and and uh, and general letters of the New Testament, uh, the, the uh, scholar that you mentioned. Um, but it's really interesting to me. For example, we mentioned 2219, right, which was the text that we were talking about, about Erasmus and what he translated uh, as opposed to what was in the older manuscripts. And I think you should find a Bible that actually contains footnotes, like the ones that I'm. you can barely see it on the screen. But if I click on this, you'll see the footnote. And I think it's so important that every single one of us, if you want to be serious about Bible study, that you have something like this. It doesn't have to be this one, but you have something like this, where when you read the phrase in the tree of life and you see the footnote, you go in and you say something like this. Oh, the Textus Receptus, on which the KGV rests, reads the Book of Life instead of the Tree of Life. When the Dutch humanist Desiderius Erasmus translated the New Testament, he had access to no Greek manuscripts for the last six verses of Revelation. So he translated the Latin Vulgate back into Greek at this point. Now, we could keep reading. That's not the point. The point is that a Bible like this will give you a lot of insight as to why there are variations between the translations in the Bible. And so if you're going to choose a Bible, I believe that you should choose a very, very good study Bible, which means a Bible that contains notes 
and tell you at least that there is a variant in the text. And this is why it is translated a little bit differently. Yeah, I actually wanted to mention a, a comment that I that I wanted to actually piggyback off. Matthew Reyes puts, I use the new King King's James as my starting point, and I will go to the NLT to see what it says and if it's easier to understand. Yeah. You know what? Um funny because I remember Mitch gave me uh kind of some advice back when I started preaching a couple of years back. Uh he's he he asked me what this is before I got into all this stuff, right? He asked me, uh, oh, what is it that I that I used to 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 read? And I told him I used the NIV. And I remember Mitch said, well, I wouldn't preach out of the NIV. He said, I remember him telling me that. And I remember you saying that what I should use is the New King James Version, right? Obviously, your favorite version. But I think there's a principle there, right, in the fact that now that I look into all the translations that we have, I told yeah. Mitchell this, I actually probably would prefer the NASB or the ESV over the New King James or the KJV, just because of the manuscript, uh, uh, you know, validity that we have over that. Sure, sure. But you, you told me something that stuck with me that I that I think is an interesting a principle, is that even though the ESV or the NASB might be uh, more, um, I guess, a, a better translation because of sure. because of the manuscripts right now, what's being used is the New King James, and because that's what the church is using and that's what they're used to, right? And it's a it's a reliable Bible. Then you go with yeah. the New King James because that's what you're preaching out of. That's what everybody knows. And I think yeah. that's a that's a good principle. You know, you can use various different um, uh, translations, especially when it comes to preaching, right? You don't want to be preaching out of the Message Bible or or any of that. You know, casual reading, sure. You know, but I think that's a, a an outstanding principle when it comes to the times, right? Maybe in a couple of years, a decade or so, ESV is going to be or NASB is going to be the new standard. And uh, King James, New King James is no longer going to be there. Now, all of a sudden, this is the Bible that the church is, is using. This is what we're going to use. Right. You yeah. might have a different preference, but we go with what the people, what, what the, the church knows and what is reliable. Yeah, I, I, I would say um, it, if, if now we're going to counsel uh, leaders, especially youth leaders, I think that it's very, very important. Marin mentions the Passion version. We didn't even get into the Passion version. Oh of the man, Bible. I know that would have been the whole, whole oh, episode. I yes, yes. I, and you know what? There's another one. There's, there's like a, there's like a Queen James Bible, which oh. basically <laughs> removes all mentions of homosexuality from the Bible. Uh, there is, there's actually an updated version of the NIV that makes all the the, the, the TNIV. Ah, uh, you know what? Is that it one the came out in yeah, 2005. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2005. They yeah, abandoned so. that one. They abandoned uh, yeah. that one, bro. Yeah, because it got so much backlash when they started making everything gender neutral. Exactly. Right? And so, yeah. So, again, there's so much to talk about. But let me just say this. Martin says part and, two. Yeah, part two. I know. <laughs> he's he's got he's to be, he's yeah, got to carry yeah, that one. So. Yeah, he's, he's going he's gonna to fly somewhere else next time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, and look, and, I, and again, I appreciate uh, so many of you that are still on with us right now because we have gone long, but there's obviously there's so much to talk about. Um, but, but. I think that I want people to understand the Bible when I'm preaching. And so that is my number one goal. My number one goal is not to promote a Bible translation. And I am realizing more and more when I speak to young people, actually, this is the way it works. When I'm going to preach to a general congregation, mixture of old and new, I will use the New King James Version, generally speaking. But when I'm about to speak to young people, I use the NIV. And so... Um, I, I, I think we have to be aware. There is no one perfect translation. I, I want to just uh, comment on, on uh, Adan Carcamo's uh, comment where he talks about Luke 4.18. 
you know, and he, and he just mentions the different phrases. Uh, I, I would argue that none of them I can say confidently is the perfect translation, right? That this is the one because we don't know. All we have is based on manuscripts, but ultimately they're all quoting uh, the, what is it? The, the book of Isaiah, I think is what Luke 4, 18 is, is quoting. And when it's quoting the book of Isaiah, the question is, is the manuscript the one that's quoting it correctly? Or should we be quoting actually the book of Isaiah directly? This is why you have the different variations. Ultimately though, his example where it talks about preaching the agreeable year of the Lord uh, another version says uh, to proclaim the favorable favorable year, uh, and another one says to proclaim the acceptable uh, uh, year of 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 Yahweh. They're all saying the same thing. So instead of getting caught up in saying which one is the right one, let's just try to extract what the message is and compare to other versions of the Bible. And I think that would help a lot, in my opinion. Mine's going to fly to Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. All right. Well, look, hey, my brothers, man, what a conversation here. Uh, if you are watching us, please hit that like button because it helps for other people to see it and hit that share button as well. It would be a huge, huge help. And I want to thank everybody that's also been giving um, uh, comments here. Uh, Matthew Reyes says, look, I the reason I use the NKJV is because my Andrew Study Bible is in that version. I have to see how the NIV and ASV is. Um, we have uh, Michelle Elliott who says, I start with the KGV and KGV and browse around the others if I need simpler explanations. And Martin says, look, we have to keep in mind the audience that is listening to us. Some congregations prefer a specific version to another. And I got no problem with that at all. But I will say this. You know what you got to do? You got to read your Bible more. You know what I mean? You got you to got, you read more and get the entire message of the Bible out of this. Can I uh, uh, follow up with a verse before we end? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Mark 4.33, right? And I'm going to quote from the NIV. Uh oh, okay. With Jesus, right? It says, with many similar perils, parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. Yes. yes. That is a powerful principle, as much yes. as they were able to understand. Right. I, I'm here saying that the Message Bible, you know, I'm not too fond of it. But if that's what you're able to understand... Jesus Jesus can call you with the message Bible. If that's what you're able to understand. But he says he spoke to them as they were able to understand. Just like Jason said, if there's heavy, more meat, something more solid, you can yeah. move up to something more and something more. And you're able to grab all these different uh, 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 translations, right? And then all of a sudden, God can speak to you in so many ways. Yeah. And, and look, and let's, just, and, let, and let's finish with this, by the way. Um, again, we were not here to promote one Bible translation. Although I think all three of us are in agreement. If you're going to study the Bible, first of all, have multiple translations, mm -hmm. but definitely bank yourself more on the word for words and the thought translations as opposed to the paraphrased ones. Because again, those are highly interpreted. We probably want to stick to the word for word ones when it comes to uh, uh, studying scripture. And I think you will be good off. All right. Hey, look, man, we got to wrap it off. Uh, by the way, um, we have a, a tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. And we got to be awake early. This is the problem with Matthew. Matthew was telling us that, hey, hey you know, what we time? all night. Yeah, uh, with seven in the morning, <laughs> we're going to be connecting with the in the Zoom uh, stream for Southern California Conference FEHA Kingdom Priorities Resetting Focus. So that's happening tomorrow. If you want to join us in prayer, we're going to use the same format. If you got a prayer request, 
You can just put it in the chat. We'll be praying for that, but we're also going to be talking about spiritual distractions and we want you to be part of that conversation. Um, but at the end, we hope that this conversation was a blessing and it kind of opens your eyes a little bit to uh, everything that's going on. Uh, we may have to revisit this. We probably will revisit this a little bit when we talk about the canon as well. In other words, why we have 66 books of the Bible. Um, Andrew, is it okay if you lead us in a final word of prayer? Yeah, man. Let's, let's lift our heads. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, as we we're uh, entering your Sabbath, Lord, we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts, Lord, that you were allowed us to get through this discussion. We allowed to, we we're able to uh, share our ideas, the things that we've learned when it comes to your translations, Lord. And as much as we see the variances throughout these different uh, 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 translations, Lord, we can see that your word was still preserved, Lord. Even in these minute differences, Lord, we can see that you are working through us. You are working uh, working through those who are hearing, Lord, uh, uh, this podcast, Lord. And I just ask that you would continue to do that, Lord, that you would guide us in whatever uh, translation is best for us, Lord, whatever way we're able to understand you, Lord, um, that you would speak to us. Lord. I just ask that you would uh, be with all of us, Lord, as we're uh, in your Sabbath now. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, once again, thank you so much for everyone that was joined us today. That's still with us. Even to this moment, uh, we know this conversation went long, but again, we hope that it was a blessing for all of you. And at the end, uh, Marin, I, I know that, uh, that he was out and we definitely miss him. Uh, but, uh, we'll, we'll be seeing them in the next conversation. Uh, again, hopefully we'll see all of you tomorrow, 7 AM, uh, West coast time, uh, in the prayer session. And if God permits, we'll see you in the next conversation. And again, as you're trying to figure out all this craziness of all these tra Bible translations, you know what we tell you here, five words, five, five, keep calm and Advent on when all else fails, just keep looking to Jesus. He'll lead you to the light. He'll lead you to the right reading of his very word. God bless. We'll see you soon. And we hope you have a great night and a happy Sabbath. See you.